Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this last Sunday of October. It's October 29th, and boy, the temperature has dropped um, 30-some degrees or so here in Nebraska. It's chilly um, out there. Um, We're all wearing now our warmer clothes. I hope you've had a good week. Tonight, we have our fall festival. Even though it's cold, we're going to move some stuff inside. We've got um, wonderful crafts for the kids and pumpkin stuff and good food and bingo with some prizes. And maybe we could all bundle up, grab our hot cider and go for a little hay rack ride and it'll still be a good time. So that's 4 to 7 p.m. today. If you can come on out to the church, you are welcome. Uh, there's a trunk or treat for the kids too, so have them dress up and we're going to hand out a bunch of candy to them. It'll be a good evening tonight, 4 to 7 p.m. Also wanted to mention to you that we have a men's retreat coming up in a month over at Covenant Cedars. And uh, it's a great time. It's going to be out there for Friday night and Saturday. And a good speaker uh, is going to be there and a chance for us guys to hang out a little bit at the wonderful camp. Got winterized facilities. It's good, good food, everything. If you're interested in going to this, it's December 1 through the 3rd. Let me know. I'm signing up guys right now for it and would love for you to be a part. We also, just to let you know, we're doing a new membership class for those interested in officially joining the church. It's going to be next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock at me and Carrie's house. And just to tell a little bit about what we believe at the church, what it means to be a member and the process. And um, we would love to have you if you're interested in joining the church or finding out more about that. Come to our place, email me, text me. Call the church office, whatever you'd like to do. But we would love to have you come. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go on to Acts chapter 16 today as we continue on in our fall sermon series, The People of God. Learning more in these stories in Acts, who we are and where we come from and what it means to live for Him today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 16, and we will begin in verse 6. And go to 36. Acts 16, 6 through 36 is our story for today. It says this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mishnia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expecting to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had been gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and when she and the members of her house were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting out that these men are servants of the Most High who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the market to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were then thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And at once all the prison doors opened and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and his whole household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. This is a remarkable story uh, that teaches us many things. It is one of my favorite stories out of the book of Acts, and I'm excited to be able to share it with you today. The first thing that I want to point out is right at the beginning, in verses 6 through 10, we learn something interesting here about how the Holy Spirit works. These verses have really made me stop and think. Look at what it says in verse 6. How Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Who kept them from preaching the word in Asia? The Holy Spirit did. Notice then what it says in verse 7. It says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow them to enter. So they went down to Troas. Who stopped them from entering the border? Was it a bad guy? No. The Spirit would not allow them to enter. Then in verse 9 it says that Paul has this dream, a vision from God, of a man from Macedonia begging for help. So they got ready at once, it says, and concluded that God had called them to go and preach there. Now I know these guys are missionaries, but can you hear what the scripture is saying about how the Holy Spirit guides our steps? He was shutting doors and he was opening other ones. He was shutting doors. I'm not sure why they couldn't get into Asia or Bithynia. Maybe they never got the funds. Maybe at the border they were turned away by men with swords. Maybe it was a famine or a plague in the land or a committee that just told them no. It doesn't tell us those details. It just says they were kept from going there. But Paul doesn't get too worked up about it. He doesn't get too discouraged. He doesn't start blaming people or evil for the reason of not being able to go. It says they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Which says this big thing, that the early believers conclude that the sovereign almighty God who is with them every day and who has opened prison doors in the past and set captives free and opened the eyes of Saul on the road of Damascus and raises the dead, he who is able would have been able to get them into Asia if that's what he wanted. And so the fact that they weren't able to go there, they conclude, was because God didn't want them there. It says the Holy Spirit kept them from going there. Then it says they tried to enter the border of Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord would not allow them to enter. God is shutting doors. He is leading them by closed doors. <laughs> Have you ever considered that you can't do something because God doesn't want you to? Even if it seems like this great idea in your head, even if your heart is in the right place, the door seems shut, and whatever you do to try to open it, it doesn't open right now. Well, maybe it is because God's answer right now is no. He has other plans for you than this. Maybe God's will for us at times is not try harder, pray more, don't give up, break down the walls. No, maybe God has put up those walls in some cases. Have you ever stopped to consider if this is really God's plan for you or just your plans? And maybe you're actually fighting against God and that's why something isn't working. It isn't supposed to now. It's a closed door. We all have dreams. We all have ambitions and want to do certain things and, and, and we want certain things. 
Proverbs 16.9 says, Man plans out his course, but the Lord will determine his steps. What if the reason we can't is because God doesn't want us to? Do we have the faith to believe the Lord has got our life and he shuts doors at times? David prayed in Psalm 25, I trust in you, O Lord. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. There have been many times in my life that I thought I knew what was best for me or others. And sometimes I had it right, but other times I was wrong, confused. I thought this particular girl was right for me, but then she didn't feel the same. And, and, and thank God she didn't, because a few years later I found the one whom my soul loves. Thank God he shuts doors, not meant for us. I thought I knew where I was supposed to live and how I was supposed to serve after college. And yet, for as much as I pounded on that door and pleaded my case, the door remained shut. And another door was open, so I took it. And I'm so glad I did, for that is where I found who I was supposed to be. I tell you, though, at times, shut doors are painful. <laughs> but they're always purposeful. Do we trust God to shut the doors not meant for us? Like the Garth Brooks song on answered prayers, can we be patient in order to see the plans of the one who in love is guiding our steps for a reason? Paul and Silas tried to go a few places before they found the path that God wanted them to go. My second point is have you considered that your current hardships or injustice or unfortunate events are actually bringing you to the exact place that God wants you for Him. Look at our story. After Paul and the others conclude that Asia and Bithynia is not where God wants them to go, Paul gets this vision. It's a dream of a man from Macedonia begging for help. And so together they conclude that this vision is actually from God. And God is telling them to go to Macedonia. And so the next day they set out and they arrive in Philippi, the leading city of Macedonia. And when they begin ministry in this place, we don't see a man from the vision quite yet. We see Paul and Silas doing ministry to women by the river. And in particular, a woman named Lydia who comes to believe in Jesus. The next day, we see Paul and Silas doing ministry in the city streets where they meet a slave girl. And they set her free, which makes the slave owners real men. In fact, they drag Paul and Silas before the authorities and blame them for throwing their whole city into an uproar. And suddenly, the crowd begins to turn on these guys and the judge orders Paul and Silas to be stripped and beaten with rods and then it says, after they have been severely flogged, they're thrown into prison into an inner cell, and their feet were fastened with chains, and a certain jailer was commanded to look after them. Now, for a minute here, I want you to imagine if this had happened to you. If all you were trying to do was what you believed that God wanted you to do. You, you believe that He sent you to this place. And then all this bad stuff starts to happen. 
What would you think? Maybe you would think, did we hear God right? Maybe you would have fought back. Maybe you would have thought God had forsaken you. Maybe you would have just been really discouraged and despairing and feared for your life. But we don't see any of this in Paul. This was just another day of following Christ for him. And this is, but this is going to sound like really dumb as I try to put myself in the story and everything, but I know what I'm like when I'm stressed, when I'm going through a difficult time. Or even when I'm just sick with something as basic as the flu. Carrie can tell you, the kids can tell you, I'm not the best Pastor Dan behavior when I'm sick. I'm complaining, I'm woe is me, I'm more impatient with them and short with people, or, or when things happen in my job and they don't go right, right away, or I find myself in a conflict or an obstacle in my way, life just happens, or when someone treats my kids bad, or if an insurance company even wants to charge me more than they should. I, I don't handle these situations maybe the best. I'm, I'm not always positive, I'm not always loving or Christ-like on the phone. I want to be better at this, you know, but my point is simply this, that when I'm under distress, when things are happening, hardships, sufferings, whatever, even just the things in my own daily life, you know, these aren't my strongest faith moments. Right? I can slip into ugly or sin or discourage or defeated or hopelessness. I read here that Paul and Silas have been severely for doing nothing but help a woman in bondage and share the gospel with people that don't know Jesus. And they are where they are because they thought God wanted them in this place and He called them to this place. But now everything seems to be going wrong. And they're bloody and they're bruised and they're in chains and they don't know if they're going to live or die tomorrow. And all I can do is imagine that if this happened to me, what would be my frame of mind? It wouldn't be good. I would be worried sick. I may even think God's let me down. I may be tempted to think, you know, is this life worth it? I mean, why am I even doing this? Maybe I need to think of a different career, you know? Is this what I really want? But those early believers in Christ, they were just different, right? We read many times in Acts, that they counted it all joy when they were suffering for Christ. After getting beaten or thrown into prison time and time again, after having to face the Sanhedrin and being rejected or whatever, they would rejoice for being counted worthy. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And he's in jail at the time that he writes this. Listen to what he writes in Philippians 1.12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. For it has been clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the believers have become more confident in the Lord and more courageous to share the gospel themselves. Paul is seeing the positives even in these giant negatives. And then he continues on in verse 18 in chapter 1 of Philippians. He says, I'll continue, therefore, to rejoice, because I know that through your prayers and God's provision, what has happened to me will one day 
turn out for my deliverance. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is King. And then he says to them, he encourages them with this. He says, so whatever happens to you, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then finally, listen to what he says in Philippians 1.29. He says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him, but also to suffer for him. He says it's been granted to you. Granted. Like a privilege. To share in his sufferings. To give your life for his cause. Those early believers in Jesus teach us this important lesson. That following Christ is not just believing in him. But it's also giving our life to him. Following him. Enduring all things for him. For them, following Jesus meant some suffering, which they were willing to endure for his sake, because he endured the cross for their sake. And so like soldiers in a good war, they're willing to make this sacrifice. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, whoever comes after me must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. Those early believers in Jesus were ready to not just believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. What would it look like for you and me to suffer for Christ? Well, it would be a new mindset for sure, wouldn't it? That we're not just going to live for ourselves or what's comfortable or this world and it's more things, but, but we're going to live for Him who loves us and died for us and others that we would be willing to lay down our earthly life for Jesus because he holds our eternal life in his hands. It would be being willing to give it, it all. Maybe even that means just self-denying every day, doing what he wants instead of what we want. Willing to endure maybe at times a tough marriage, and to keep on loving our spouse like Jesus would and praying for them instead of doing what would be easier and walking away. It might mean patience with others at church or neighbors that we would rather just never see again or have to deal with. But for the sake of Christ, we're willing to suffer some things. We're willing to endure some things. We're willing to love our enemies and pray for those who are difficult, show mercy, work for unity and peace. The word patience actually in the Bible means long-suffering. Suffering for Christ might mean giving up something you would like and using that money or time for some way to serve Jesus. Where is following Jesus cost us anything today? Are we willing to love and believe in Him when it is costing us? Christ saved us through the cross. And so those early believers believed that that following Christ would involve some suffering, some self-sacrifice and discipline. And they realized the kingdom of God was not of this world. And so they were willing to be in conflict at times to spread the message. And so, coming back here now, I read in our chapter for today, and I think, my goodness, he, they were severely flogged. They were beaten with rods. They were locked in an inner cell, and their feet were fastened in chains. But for Paul, it seems like just another day following Jesus. And what's more, 
And my whole point here, my second point, is that they, the hardship that they endured and the suffering they went through, the beating and even the chains, as Paul writes in Philippians, was actually taking them exactly to where God wanted them. Even the suffering was advancing the gospel. Prisoners were listening. Jailers were coming to faith. That is what we see in our story. And I believe now that the vision that Paul originally had of a man from Macedonia begging for help, I believe that man was the jailer. For he's the first man we see in the story after that. For Paul and Silas go to Macedonia, but there's no mention of a man, just a woman named Lydia and then a slave girl. But in our chapter we see one man falling to his knees and begging Paul for help, it says. And who is it? It's the jailer. After the earth shook and all the prison doors opened and the chains came loose, it says in verse 27, the jailer woke up, saw the prison doors open, drew his sword to kill himself. Why? Because the punishment back then for a Roman guard who allowed his prisoners to escape was worse than death. They would kill him and his whole family. That was the law. And so this man was going to take his own life to save his family. But Paul stepped in and saved him and his family by not leaving. By not thinking of himself and running away from that jail cell, Paul stayed behind. And instead, him and Silas and all the other prisoners shouted, Don't do it, we're still here. And when the jailer saw that, when he, he called for the lights, he couldn't believe that these men didn't think of themselves and run away. Shocked, it says in verse 29, he rushed over to Paul and fell trembling before him and asked, What must I do to be saved? the Bible is being clear here that the man from the vision turned out to be the jailer. In other words, God knew who he was sending Paul to and where he wanted Paul to be, which for me means this crazy thought. Was God behind all the suffering? Was God allowing the crowd to turn on Paul and Silas and arrest them and lock them up? Did God allow all of this to happen in the same way that God allowed Joseph in the Old Testament to be mistreated by his brothers and then sold as a slave to Egypt and then imprisoned for what he didn't do and then left to rot for two years in a jail cell only because at the right time, Pharaoh would come and ask him to interpret a dream and it would cause Pharaoh to see the truth and then raise Joseph up to be in charge of all the food in Egypt, which would allow Joseph to be able to save his family in a time of great need. If this is true, then couldn't God have allowed Paul and Silas to go through all of this to get to that one man he wanted to save? And if this is true, then can God be at work in the horrible things that at times happen to us? Is God at least, as it says in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love and have been called according to His purpose. Which leads me to my original question in this point, which is, have you ever considered that your current hardship or injustice or unfortunate event is actually bringing you 
to the exact place that God wants you for Him. For Him. You aren't where you are for you, but for Him. We are too me-centered these days in our life and think it's all about us, but the apostles, they didn't leave, live for themselves. They lived for Christ. Paul was exactly where God put him best to shine for him. The Lord brought him to that jailer because the Lord wanted to save that jailer and his family. God put Paul in that particular jailer cell, and so when an earthquake came and the chains came loose in that moment, Paul could reveal the love of Christ by staying and then the truth of Christ, which would save him and his family. Paul shared the gospel wherever he went, even in jail. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And then it says that Paul spoke the word to him and all the others in the house. He taught them at that hour of night. And then the jailer washed Paul and Silas's wounds. And then Paul and Silas washed his, for the jailer was baptized. And so was his family. And then they had the prisoners over to their house. And they all ate a great feast. They were now one family. The family of God. This whole event happened. Just as God willed it. The jailer probably would have never heard or listened to what Paul had to say. If not for the circumstance finding them right in his cell. And when given an opportunity to escape, they stayed for him. And that act of love moved him. And so now I want you to think about your life. God knows what it will take to save the people around you. The Lord desires none to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so he is working to put us exactly where he can best use us. Not for our sake, but for his sake. And so yes, it's very possible that your current hardship or injustice or unfortunate event is actually bringing you to the exact place that God wants you for you. My last point I wanted to share from this story is one that really speaks. It is that in the middle of the night, before the earth shook, before the chains came loose, before the jailer comes to faith in Christ, before all of the good stuff, <laughs> while it's still dark, while they're still in those chains and didn't know what was going to happen, this is the moment when the Bible tells us Paul and Silas were praying and saying hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. It wasn't after the miracle, it was before. It was when you would least expect them to rejoice and praise God. That's when they were. And somebody might have said to them, what do you guys have to be thankful for? Look at your circumstance. You're in this jail cell. What has God done for you? What do you got to praise Him for? Look where you sit. What has He done? But these men, they knew God. They knew His love. And they would not allow their current suffering or circumstance to silence their praise or their faith. Or to try to steal away their faith in a good, good father and the resurrection of his son, their Lord Jesus. No matter where they were, they were going to continue to bless his name. They would continue to praise God in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the night, right at midnight. Not after everything turned out okay, but while it was still happening, they kept the faith and the joy of the Lord was their strength. This is when we must praise God. This is when we must pray and show our faith, not after the storm, but right in the middle of it. Not when everything is back as it should be, but when everything seems to be falling apart and we wonder, where is God in this? 
This is when we must believe that he is right there with us. This is when we must believe that he is good and that he loves us and that he is overcome. We praise not because it is as it should be, but because he is everything. Because we know him and he's good and he loves us and he's with us right now. And that is what these guys believe. That he was with them right there. And that this was all going to somehow turn out for our deliverance. That as Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome. They would in no way be ashamed. For if he was for them, who could stand against them? They were going to trust him right now. We have to trust him right now. Today, at this hour, we must rejoice right now. Believing in Him right now. Even if all around you, you just see darkness. I love the song, Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. The next verse says, Blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down on me, when the world is as it should be, blessed be your name. But blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Especially then. Where do you find yourself today? Is the world all around you as it should be? Wonderful. Bless his name. Or is the road full of suffering? And there's pain in the offering today. And it may even feel like the darkness closes in. Because even if your situation isn't good, He is. Paul writes in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because the Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, for I can do all things through Him who gives me the strength. Paul and Silas demonstrate that faith in our scripture at midnight. But that is when it says they're praying and singing hymns to God. And perhaps that's why 
The earth shook and the foundation of the prison was shaken and the doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose because praising God does that in us. Praising God and showing faith does this. When we worship the Lord, our chains come undone. The very prisons were locked up in open and we are set free. The truth of Christ sets us free and gives us hope. And we're free from the guilt and the shame and the fears and the doubts when we praise in the middle of the storm. When we speak about Jesus and continue to believe in Him and put our hope in Him, the very foundations of our world shake and we are set free. Carrie and I had a friend in Chicago. His name was Monty. He was an older Jewish Christian man, and he taught us this way. His son had so many health problems. His wife struggled. He had lots of suffering, but he also had faith. He had joy, and he told us one day a simple sentence we've never forgotten. He said, the Lord tells me not to worry, and so I don't. The Lord tells me not to worry, so I don't. The Lord tells me not to worry, and so I don't. Yeah, but this, but what about that? What if, what, what if this happens? In Him, we have everything we need to face whatever we have to today. On the cross, He saved me from all my sins. He meets me in every cross that I must bear, and He helps me bear it. I don't bear it alone. My Savior is with me. And this I rejoice. And He was with Paul and Silas in that jail. And that's why they prayed, and that's why they sang. And the earth shook and doors opened and the chains came loose. And the reason they were there in the first place suddenly became clear. For the jailer rushed in and could now see what he couldn't before. And he wanted to know how he might be saved. And so they shared Jesus with him and his wife and his kids and who knows, maybe even his in-laws. And all of them were saved at that hour baptized, and a great meal was shared in the middle of the night. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, because your Lord is near. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.